Ismael Ileses, a doctoral candidate with the Latin American and Latino Studies Sociology Department, has recently looked into street art and graffiti from a social and cultural perspective. In the past, street art and graffiti have been connected with vandalism and other crimes or racial stereotypes. Ileses sees the importance of this kind of art and its role in culture, especially in cities like San Francisco or Los Angeles. With me today is Ileses to talk about his work and perspectives. Here with Slugcast, brought to you by the Division of Student Affairs and Success, this is Jenna Harms. Okay, um, you mentioned a little bit of the ties between graffiti and um, like racial identity and all of that. Could you talk a little bit more about how you see graffiti and kind of ties to like culture and identity and all of that? I've taught some courses lately in the summer. I taught a, a class on uh, intersections of race, class, and gender. And I've also taught that uh, Latinx art and representation. Um, my research is really um, asking questions about, you know, the or exploring the, the racial, spatial, gendered, and class dimensions of expressive culture and social control, uh, specifically through graffiti and street art um, in Los Angeles. How uh, through graffiti, they transgress um, borders set up by years of racial residential segregation and how they are able to sort of create places that have been abandoned um, by capital and forgotten by the state into places of congregation and empowerment um, with each other. At the same time, this also leads me to sort of ask how graffiti has been sort of included um, or celebrated into the recent discourses or recent celebration of street art and what kind of places or spaces you know that produces and they're often linked with gentrification and displacement. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's, um, for me, right, specifically speaking about Southern California, right, and Los Angeles in particular, you, I can, we can't talk about graffiti if we don't sort of start our inquiry with, uh, you know, Pachuco subcultures, right, or the suit suitors, um, the early sort of, um, you know, that started in the early 20th century, right, and so this became sort of very play graffiti in this uh within this subculture right really became place-based right and it was really sort of a a weaving of you know multiple sorts of cultures right like mexican-american latinx for example uh, you can tell in the calo and the language you know um, uh, and the uh, and mixing that with old english script uh, you see the sort of production of a place-based identity through graffiti right which later becomes associated with gang that were really sort of protecting themselves from white violence, right? So um, they're really place based. It really started off as sort of defense group. And graffiti is sort of misunderstood as um, promoting violence, right? And it's definitely territorial, but in fact, um, early, early, you know, Chicano graffiti was a ways in which to deter violence, right? It was a way in which to sort of say, well, you know, this is our block. And, um, and it's not only the graffiti, but it's also the youth, right? The people themselves who seem to be out of place. Uh, because they're defying these sort of notions of, um, well, they're defying racial residential segregation. Great. Uh, yeah, all, I mean, a lot of the kind of history behind that is not something that I was aware of, so that was really great to learn about. Um, in terms of the negative connotations, um, 
what is your take on like the stereotypes that surround graffiti um, and kind of how those were built and what that effect is today? That's a great question. Um, you know, because as soon as this, you know, uh, as soon as it's sort of this, this uh, hip hop graffiti starts taking uh, place and, and, and popularity in Southern California, you also have the sort of the wider population demonizing, right? And usually associated with black and brown youth. Um, and it's rather than graffiti artists or graffiti writers, uh, they're termed taggers. So taggers uh, or vandals, right? It, it, it or autom- like that's the main title that are assigned to these youth automatically sort of um, you know criminalizing them and their practices right and, and the ways in which they express their identity um, and of course you have a lot of you know reportage uh, special reportages on you know graffiti and the taggers and um, this you know inherently it really comes down to um, this notion of private property, right? Like property rights become the main sort of reason or excuse why graffiti writers becomes targeted, but these are lumped up with racial and class connotations, right? So at the same time that, you know, people from the West, from the West side of Los Angeles, you know, like, um, there's, you know, middle class, you know, this, this is, the graffiti is basically a multicultural, multi-racial subculture, right? But the ones who get framed as vandals, as criminals, are mostly black and brown youth. Um, the crazed black and brown youth, right? Um, it's the ways in which they're sort of portrayed, and in their portages, theirs are the ones that are the, that are sort of become representative of this like negative aspect of graffiti um this sort of carries on the stigma carries on like it it, it, it also gives it that sort of um appeal or you know like um when when you talk about graffiti for example it, it's this sort of subculture that's dangerous that's sort of alluring um that some people like and other people don't that some people try to you know think of it as art other people just think of it as scribbles and um vandalism um but the ways in which it was create uh, framed or portrayed uh, as negative right as a, as a crime um it's really sort of been associated with black and latino uh youth the penalties for it has increased like dramatically where you know graffiti is not only just a misdemeanor right it's also considered a violent crime uh it's also considered you know uh well if, if anyone's caught you know doing it they're they're they're, you know, they're facing jail time and often prison time The stigma surrounding graffiti has has very real world, real time consequences today. Um, do you feel that kind of educating people about the the history and culture that you briefly gave me is kind of a step forward in making those real world consequences not as severe or not as common? Um, 
yes, my work is part of that process, but it's only it's built um it's building from a long sort of struggle that graffiti writers themselves have been waging, right? And when I interview, for example, one of the early uh, veterans, right, the early writers um, from the 1980s and 90s, you know, one of the main things that they tell me is that we never like our goal was to always to decriminalize this art form, it's just demonstrate its its value, its social, cultural, artistic value. This is my response, right? Because you know you had, you know, graffiti writers out of their own pocket creating magazines that spoke against propositions that would uh, make their their art um, or, or that would that would challenge laws and policies that would um, severely punish young people, right? So my work is sort of like a, it's like I'm not. I guess it's building upon that, right? It's uh, one contribution to that struggle. And it's that it's sort of like in the, it's right there in your face, but you can't really tell the meaning. And so part of my work is sort of trying to uh, dig in and interpret this meaning, right? Um, from the best knowledge that I have, right? From uh, and even just grounding with the graffiti writers themselves and learning from them. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So there's there's a decent amount of kind of conflicting notions of like people seeing it as art while it's still being criminalized and people having these meaningful messages but also wanting to stay anonymous kind of like mix yeah and it's interesting because you know at the same time you know like uh, I think this is a very particular, uh, well, it's a very important historical conjunction that you live in, right? Because part of what my work does while it focuses on graffiti, what it does is sort of examine the ways in which, you know, neoliberal capitalism works. And that is to say that uh, neoliberalism is all about free market or uh, hyper individual sort of consumer culture and entrepreneurship. And at the same time, like that is just market focus, like a uh, free market. At the same time, you have the increasing carceral state. Uh, you know, the, the while you, know, you have all these social services going through um, that are depleted or disinvested, particularly in working class and racialized communities, you also have the Ford, uh, the <laughs> investment in you know policing and and the work with graffiti writers in particular, right? Like my work in particular, sort of, and I think a lot of people's work who's focused on graffiti, sort of uh, bringing their knowledge, the knowledge of our interlocutors, the knowledge uh, of people on the ground, right? Who have been doing this sort of work, who have been working towards, you know, um, very successfully in some, in some ways, right? of um, making it uh, one, a global art movement, uh, two, uh, sort of creating or persuading a certain, a good amount of population that uh, to appreciate the social and cultural and artistic value. At the same time, you know, they're also sort of like critical of their incarceration, right? The incarceration, particularly black and Latino youth. Um, and, and I just want to say that, you know, that the, the uh, that that is sort of the work that becomes important is how do we sort of re- rethink uh, uh, and reimagine what we associate uh, graffiti with um, beyond vandalism and beyond just art. Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on Instagram at ucsc.dsas or for more episodes, follow us on Spotify.